you are listening to the Revive Church Podcast. We pray that this sermon blesses you and enhances your walk with God. Feel free to come worship with us on a Sunday morning, or you can learn more about us online at revivechurch.org. Good morning. Well, today we are continuing in our series of the Gospel of John. We're going verse by verse as we've been doing. And today we are going to be in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 29. Let's go ahead and pray before we start, though. Lord, we thank you for this day, another day that you've given us, Lord. Every day of life that you've given us is a gift. And we just thank you for this time and this place that we come to worship you by singing songs and um, just of all the praise that you deserve, Lord. And Lord, I I just pray that you would guide us as we go through your word now, as we worship you through the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you just break down our hearts, just break us down so that we can be open to hear what your word has to say. Lord, I I just pray that you would guide me as I speak, that all the words that I would say would be pleasing to you, that there would be love and truth behind what I have to say, Lord, and that it would be accurate, and that it would just be about what your word has to say, Lord, not about me. Lord, please just take away all the distractions that we could have and that we could have brought into here so that we can see clearly what you want us to to see and what you want us to, to hear and what we need to learn today, Lord. We just thank you and we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, again, like I said, we are in John chapter 6. We're going to be going through verses 22 through 29. So go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 6. And we're going to be reading that in a moment. Um, but first I want us to back up a little bit to look at where we are, where we, how we've gotten to the place we're going to be today in these verses. And we're going to spend a, a bit of time here reviewing, and, and it's, the goal is to look at the people that Jesus is talking to today. We're going to look at their hearts, look at their character, look at their desires, so that we can understand what, why Jesus is sharing the truth to them that, that he, he's, he's telling them in our verses. So, first of all, chapter 6 of, of John, where, where we're at, <clears throat> it starts off where we see that Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem after a feast, and it says that they went over the Sea of Galilee from there, as it says in the beginning of the chapter 6. Now Luke 9 tells us that the place that they went to specifically was called Bethsaida, or people say uh, Bethsaida. Um, And now the reason why they're going over there is to get rest, to rest because there were so many different people hearing and seeing the miracles that Jesus was doing they were coming after him over and over and over, and more and more people were coming. And so Jesus and his disciples were coming to get away for a moment, to rest. And yet, people followed them there. People followed them there because they were so excited about Jesus. And even though they were trying to get rest, Jesus still, it says, the word says that he had compassion on them. And then, what did he do? With his compassion, he taught them the, uh, about the the kingdom of God, and, and he healed them. 
And so at this point, his disciples are telling him, like, hey, Jesus, come on. Like, we're, we're trying to get some rest here. That's what we were supposed to do. We're in this desolate place trying to get away. Can't we just send them out to the neighboring areas and just have them lodge there and get some food so we, you know, we're, so we can rest? And then Jesus is like, nope. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and feed them now. And he says, let's give them something to eat. And so this is where we have now the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, like we talked about, the, the Frank preached on back in October before we had our, our break with Advent and our, our series on uh, Revived Church Consuming Christ. So now we see the, 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 the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus is now feeding all these people that followed them there. And so you have this, this group that is, is so excited about all the miracles Jesus is doing, and now through another miracle, he feeds them, and they're just even more excited now. But you know, the question is that I want us to ask, and that we're going to try to understand today, is what were they actually excited about? Where were, were their hearts? What was actually important to them? Because verse 14 and 15 in chapter 6 here says that when they responded to him feeding them, to Jesus feeding them, it says that they, they, they said that therefore... When the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and make him, uh, take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. And so these, these verses right here about them wanting to take him as king give us some insight into where their hearts were at. But we're going to go into that depth into that question earlier about what were they so excited about? Where were their hearts at? As we go into our passage today. So we'll go into more, that, more on that in a second. But let's keep going through this timeline about where we're at. Where we're at today in verses 22 through 29. So we have this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Where we get to see the hearts of this mob of followers that are coming after Jesus. And then next comes the miracle of Jesus walking on water, where we actually get to see the hearts of Jesus' disciples, which Russ preached on last week. So when things got a little too crazy, after they, the people were trying to get Jesus and trying to make him a king because they were so excited that, about how he fed them, we learn in Matthew and Mark that Jesus sent his disciples away. He said, get, get on a boat and, and go, go off, and they're going to take off to Capernaum. And he went from there, held back the mob, and went up to uh, a mountain and prayed alone. And then so from there, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus goes off and he goes out to meet with his disciples. But he doesn't take a boat, but he, he meets them by walking to them on water. And we, we read that they were so terrified by this, they, they thought they saw a, a ghost. And when Jesus sees that, he says, he says to them, it is, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they receive him into the boat, the storm stops, and they're immediately on land. So this is yet we, it's just yet another miracle by Jesus. Like I said earlier, we, with this miracle, with this, this event, we get to see now the hearts of the disciples as well. Just like we saw what the hearts were like with the, with the mob of followers 
during the feeding of the 5,000. Because in, in Mark chapter 6, verse 51, he explains that, he says, Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. So his, when, when Jesus got into the boat, they were just astonished by this. And he explains the reason why they were so as- astonished was, he says, For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. So they fully didn't even understand everything that Jesus, what Jesus was doing when he fed the 5,000, when he, he had this miracle that took place. And Scripture tells us that his disciples that were following right there with him did not fully understand everything until after Jesus' resurrection. They didn't put all the pieces together until that point. And so, after Jesus and his, his disciples get to land from there, after they're taken off, they get to land, Jesus gets in the boat, they, they're, they're, they land immediately, our verses today start off by saying the next day, in verse 22, but the Gospels of Matthew and Mark tell us that some point between when they got to land and the next day that Jesus and his disciples actually were, right when they got there, they were immediately recognized by more people again. And so they, like, they didn't have a break. And so right when they got there, people were, were seeing them and then saying, like, oh, that's him. He, like, that's Jesus. Okay, bring all the sick. Like, heal, you know, heal, like, heal our people. And so they landed in the land of Gennesaret, Saret. And this is the, where the land, the land of where Capernaum was, which was their destination. And so Matthew and Mark tell us that, again, that people just immediately, got, right when they got there, just brought all the sick to be healed by him. And so all this happens, and then the next day, the next day is where we start our passage. The next day, what happens? So let's find out by reading John chapter 6, verses 22 through 29. Verse 22 starts off with saying, The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no small boat there except for one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near, the, to, near to the place where they, had, they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got themselves into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Hey, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered to them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work for the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So, like we talked about earlier, after Jesus fed the uh, 5,000 in Bethsaida, and they were mobbing and wanting to take him as king, he sends his disciples off in a boat towards Capernaum, then he heads up a mountain alone 
to be, and then at some point unseen, he, he, take, he, he walks on water, meets them, calms the storm, they're immediately on land. As soon as he enters the boat, And then the next day, we have this happen. Now, this is just how I imagine what, 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 what Scripture what it's describing here, I'm filling in the gaps here, but of how the people were reacting, why they're there the next day. But I imagine that after the people were mobbing and trying to take Jesus as king in, in Bethsaida, that they lost track of him when he headed up to the, to the mountain to pray alone. They were so pumped up going, yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. They were like, just wanting to make him king. And they lost track of him. And then just stopped. They're like, wait a second. Wait, where, where is he? Hmm. Well, you know what? It's pretty late. Let's just, let's just turn in. You know, this, this whole, we can take care of this whole king thing tomorrow. All right, good night, John boy. And then they, take, they just go to sleep. And then the next day, they wake up all tired and then trying to just like, oh, yeah, oh, man, I am just, that was a late night. I, oh, yeah, Jesus. And then, so they start running back out to that spot and then so excited, well, we got to make him king. We got to make him king. And then that's right. And then so then they, they dash out. And then verse 20, uh, 23 tells us that people were even hearing about this. They're hearing about what happened all over the place. So we have boats coming in from Tiberias them coming from one direction. We have these people showing up again. Everybody's coming to this spot super pumped up, just excited about Jesus, going, yeah, Jesus! <clears throat> and then everyone comes up to the spot where he fed them and just stops. And then, oh, wow, what, wait, where, where, is his, where is his disciple? Where is Jesus? He's, he's still not here. And so, like, in verse 22, it tells us that when they, get, when they got there, they saw that the only boat that was there left with, with the disciples. And so the t- disciples took that, and they realized that Jesus hadn't gone with them. So they were trying to figure out how he could even be gone. And, and then in verse 24, it tells us that they probably, that like, after they were standing there confused a bit, they, and they couldn't find Jesus, they all move together now. Okay, let's go to Capernaum. Let's just let's look for this. Look, look for this guy so we, he can. I mean, we can make him king. He can heal us. He can, he can feed us. So now the the mob is back in action. Look, off to Capernaum. So they 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 go there to look for Jesus. And then in verse twenty five, it says that they well they first of all they found him. So so verse twenty five tells us it says. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, I find it funny here. If you notice, after they ask that question, Jesus just completely ignores it. He is not explaining when he got there. Um, all he does is he, instead he just drops some really heavy truth on them about their hearts. And this right here is what I want us to focus on right now. Verses 26 through 29 is, is the meat of this section. Because instead of Jesus telling them when he got there, in verse 26 and 27 it says, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures, endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. 
For on him the Father God has set his seal. So Jesus being God, he knew their hearts. And remember, he was already aware of their hearts back in verse 15 when he perceived that they were just there trying to take him as king because of how he took care of their their well-being. Because he fed them, as it says. The people watched the miracle that Jesus did by feeding 15,000 plus people with only five barley loaves and two fish. They were really excited about being fed, but they missed the point, didn't they? They missed the point. And this is just like the end of of chapter 2 of John, when John describes Jesus' response to the people in Jerusalem after Passover. Jesus was doing, he, start, he, did, he turned water into wine in, in Cana of Galilee, and then he did miracles and healings in, in uh, Jerusalem during Passover. And then in, in John chapter 2, looking at verses 23 through 25, it says this. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem, so Jesus, Jesus, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So even when they believed, he knew whether they truly believed or not. What did they really believe in? What were they actually excited about? And we, so we saw this in John chapter 2, and we're seeing something similar now in John chapter 6 with these people as well. Why are, why are people following Jesus? And so, again, he, he knew their hearts. They were excited about Jesus, but they missed the point. And again, like I said earlier, we saw this with his disciples. His disciples, after Jesus walked on water, they, they missed the point. Because it says that they, for after he walked on water, they were just shocked. They were astounded that he, he could do that. That he, would, he could walk out to them on water, even though they just saw what happened with the loaves of bread that he did. But they just missed, they just totally didn't understand it because their hearts were hardened. They were right there when he took the bread, when, when they had the child there, they had handed them the food, and he made all that happen. They even questioned it, and he still made it happen with them and showed them that it would happen, but they were still shocked by it. They still didn't, they still didn't get it. So people everywhere keep missing the point about who Jesus was. But you know, even with Jesus fulfilling prophecy, all prophecy, even with his death and resurrection, and all that being recorded in Scripture that we have here to read today, people are still missing the point now, aren't they? What is it that everyone has been missing? You know, well, actually, to give us some understanding of that, we, we have to look at all the different 
the events that led up to this point where Jesus is talking to these people now. We also need to look at ourselves, look at the people we talk to. Because the problem is, just like we see here in Scripture, is that just like with, and just like with people today, is that people want to accept Jesus as their rabbi. Oh, he's a great teacher. I love listening to the words he has to say. Oh, there's just so much wisdom. It's so interesting. It's just amazing. They're, so they're amazed by his great teachings. Uh, they called him a prophet. And they, they loved to receive all, all the grace that he was given them by, by being healed and being fed. They loved seeing his miracles. And they wanted to anoint him as a king. But the problem here is that they didn't want to have him as the anointed king. The king of their lives, the king of their souls. They, they wanted, again, they wanted to just anoint him as an earthly king that could take care of maybe their government, their, to, to, to take care of their, their homes, their their lives, but they didn't want to have him as the anointed king, the Messiah, the Savior, their deliverer from their sins. And that's just like people today. They're they're totally okay with accepting God's grace. They're excited about the things they can get from Jesus, but they didn't want to accept the truth that they were sinners in need of a Savior. And that the fact that is that the Savior they needed is and was and is Jesus. And you know, that's, that's what Jesus' priority was with all these people. That's what his priority was with all these people when he was, he was doing these miracles. He prioritized the gospel. The good news that he was the Messiah that Scripture was pointing towards this whole time that everybody had been waiting for. So when we look at how these people are, uh, were with Jesus, how Jesus dealt with them, the question for us is, are we prioritizing the gospel? In our lives, is that our number one concern? Because if you're a Christian here this morning, then in Matthew 28, we even commanded to go along with the disciples, just like what Jesus commanded the disciples, to go and make disciples of all the nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded us. You know, just like uh, Gunvanti was talking about in the announcements, every Saturday we go out into the streets of Pomona and we minister to homeless. And last Saturday, Will, Gunvanti, George, and Ruthie went out. And they took up a chunk of their Saturday to go talk to people, have conversations with people, love on people that most people are just uncomfortable to talk to at all. Now, why would they choose to spend part of their Saturday doing that? And why should any of us, if not that ministry, choose to spend part our, our time doing something like that, something, some, a ministry of that, like that? You know, we make, so when we go out, we make 
food. So we meet in the kitchen, we make food, uh, hygiene packs. And we take those out to, to, to people. We hand them out. And that's a really nice thing to do. You know, is, is that important for us to do, though? Well, yeah. I mean, Scripture tells us, it, it tells us that we should be doing those things. We should be taking care of the poor. I mean, Proverbs, just, just a couple verses here. Proverbs 14, 31 tells us that whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. Our maker is God. Um, but he, he who is generous to the needy honors him. And in Hebrews 13, 16, it says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. But you know, something I want us to notice about everything we were talking about earlier, because right after, or right before Jesus did the feeding of the 5,000, we mentioned this just a little, uh, for a little bit earlier, but we remember that even though Jesus and his disciples were, were trying to get rest, he had compassion on them, on the people. But what was his response to them? What, what did he do them because of his compassion? What did he do for them with his compassion? Well, Mark and Luke tell us that the, the first thing he did, Mark 6.34 says that when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what did he do? He began to teach them many things. And then Luke 9, 11, it tells us, but the crowds were aware of this, so they were aware that Jesus was going, uh, you know, he and his disciples were going where they were um, to go get rest. And, and they followed him, and then welcoming them, so Jesus welcomed them in, as they followed him anyways. And what did he do? He began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing them, and those of, in need of healing. So out of Jesus' compassion for them, the first thing he did was teach the people. His priority was to give them what their souls needed before he gave them what their bodies needed. So when we go out to the street ministry, that's, that's our priority. That's also our priority. That's our goal. We give out food and hygiene packs uh, to help people, but our focus, and the number one reason why we go out is to share the gospel. To sit and have conversations with people, with people again, that most don't even want to talk to. So we take time to talk to them about their struggles, about who they are, and explain that even though that we're all sinners, they're sinners, we're sinners, as we're talking, you know, we're talking to them, they're just, just like they are. That if they repent of their sins, truly believe in their hearts that Jesus died for them, that he defeated death and rose from the grave, and that if they give up their lives to him and make Jesus their Lord, they will be saved. That there's truly hope for them. And does everyone want to talk to us when we go out there? No, not, not everyone wants to talk to us. But you'd be surprised, actually most do. Most are really excited to sit, just have you sit there and talk with them. 
But there are still those people that are just excited just because you have free things to give them. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. I mean, they're okay with you invading their space so that they can get what they, they want for the, in those moments. And, you know, this is just like the mindset of those in the heart of those that Jesus was talking to here. That he was confronting his followers when he talked about in verse 26 of our text. Because when Jesus says, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So he's saying, you, you're only wanting to follow me because I fed you. You don't care about how all these miraculous signs point to me being the Son of God. You're more concerned about what you, what you want. And so Jesus reminds them of what's actually, what actually is important. What's the most important thing for their lives? He says in verse 27, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So Jesus is saying here, just stop wasting all of your time being so focused on yourself. I mean, this is all temporary anyways. Focus on what's important. Work, spend your, your energy seeking Jesus, which will give you eternal life. The Father God has made it so that it's only through him that you can be saved. So when we go out, there are quite a few people that don't understand why we're going out there to minister to them. You know, last, last time I went out, I actually uh, I asked a question of one of the guys that I was talking to. I asked him why he thinks uh, we come out and give things. Like, why, why, why do you think we're out here? Why, why, why would we give you these things? And he said, because it's good to do, do nice things. Right? That's, that's why. And I've asked the same question to some other people before. And they usually tell, tell me something like, well, because that's what they tell you to do at church. That's, just, it, that's what you should be doing. But, you know, sadly, it makes sense why their answers would be that simple, why they would not fully understand why we're out there. That's only, that the, the, the point of why we're actually out there is it's because we're, of how grateful we are to God. That he loved us so much that he would have his son die for us. That he would die on a cross for our sins in our place. And we don't even deserve it. The reason why we go out is because Jesus did not just die for our sins, but he died for all the people that we're talking to out there. And we know that God loves them, and so we love them too. And because we want to honor God and because we love these people, we want, to know, we want them to know God and we want, to, we want them to know the good news just like we know it and just like we were able to experience it changing our life and to save their souls. And I said earlier that it, sadly it makes sense why they would not understand why we're going out. Why would they, they would miss the point. And the reason why I say this is because I think a lot of the churches out there are missing something as well. That they fully haven't, at least when we go out, 
I can't speak for every single church, obviously. Um, but because every single time we go out, we see, we see different groups coming in. We, come, we tend to go to the same place for right now. And there's lots of, of churches coming through and handing out food. Just so much food going out. And I've talked to uh, multiple people, homeless people, and they've, they've all told me that there's no way we'd starve out here. Like, we're, we, we're getting plenty. Because, they, again, there's so many churches and groups coming out there to feed, feed the homeless. And, you know, so because there's so, so many of us going out there, people know right away, right when we're walking up with, with all of our stuff, they know, like, oh, you guys are from a church. I could tell, I could tell, oh, you're those Jesus people. And they spot us just right, right there. And then the reason why they, they know, why they can, they can tell that, is just, just because of what Jesus told his disciples later on in, in uh, chapter 13. Jesus said that a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That you love one another just as I have loved you, as he's saying. And he says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying that if you're going to sacrifice your time, your money, your emotions, your energy, your life, like Jesus, like Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed his life for us, then people are going to know that you must be followers of his. So that's why when we go out there, you, they, they see you, all these homeless people see you fitting that model, these, that model that is a, of a disciple of Christ, of Jesus' followers, those church people. But then why would they not grasp the reason why we're out there? Again, as I was, I was going to say just a little bit ago, it has to do with even some churches not fully understanding. Or, I don't want to say fully understanding, maybe not fully understanding, or not prioritizing. And I'm not saying that we're better than any other church at all. It's only by God's grace that He even would use us to serve Him at, at all. But just from the examples of when we've gone out, the reality is that every single time we've ever gone, and I think we've been going since last April, that I've never seen any person from another church, and maybe other people have gone with me can correct me if they have, but I've never seen a person from another church when we've gone out actually sit down and talk to somebody. Sit down and have a conversation with somebody. Instead, or offer to pray, or just even offer to do anything to speak into their lives. And I've asked multiple people that we've gone out to to talk to, that we've ministered to, I've asked them directly, and I said, I've asked them if they've ever had, if anybody's ever had a conversation with them, and they've said no. Nobody's ever sat down with them. And so what you usually see is you see these cars pull up to the side of the road real quick, they have hot meals, they, they jump out, and actually they just have all the homeless people come to them. They, you know, they, they, they grab the food and they take off. 
or you have people coming by with like doing these gr granola bar drive-bys and then they're just like throwing like basically like handing them to people and not even sometimes not even letting giving enough time to grip them they're just like falling and they just keep walking um, and so they just say God bless and they move they move on um, now again like I said earlier, these are important things we need to do. We need to be taking care of the homeless. We need to be feeding them. These are good things to do. These are things we've been commanded to do. And if we are saved, that, that is our response in gratitude to God. But our priority is not to just feed the body, but to feed the soul. The soul with God's truth. The, the truth of God's word. Our priority needs to be sharing the gospel. That's the most loving thing we could do for anybody. So when we, when we go out, when we, when we deal with these ministries, when we live our lives anywhere, we need to have the attitude that Paul had in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And these are some of my favorite verses right here. This was his attitude when talking to them. He says, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't come just to give you a sandwich. I didn't come just to make myself feel good for doing good things. I didn't come just here because people in my church told me to. No, the reason why I'm out here is to tell you about all the things that changed my life, and I want those things for you too. Like Paul said, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the most important thing we can give to somebody. And this is probably most convicting to me, but these, these, this attitude needs to apply to not just when we go out to some kind of evangelism event or or church ministry that's said here, but that needs to apply to our coworkers, our friends, the hard one, our family. The gospel message about who Jesus is and our need for a Savior even applies to those who we have a difficult time talking to. Because if no one starts a conversation about it, then how are they going to hear it? Is Romans, Romans 10, 17 says, so, that, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We don't want to just assume that, well, somebody, somebody else will probably take care of it. Somebody, hopefully somebody will share with them. So because when Jesus called out the groups of people in our section, in verses 26 and 27, he explained to them the importance of focusing on what can bring them eternal life. And he explained to what that was in verse 27. But you know, in, in verse 27, they did get a little confused of what Jesus was trying to tell them when he said, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So even though they're confused, 
You know, the important thing is that they actually responded. They were able to ask a question because Jesus approached them. He talked to them about it. Because in verse 28, they, they, they asked a question. They said, well, therefore, they said to him, well, what shall we do so we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered them and said to them, in verse 29, he said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So Jesus answers them and tells them that the only work of God that will give you eternal life is your responsibility to believe in Jesus. To believe in him whom he has sent. So that, that is our priority. Like I said, they wouldn't have been able to ask that question or even had to think anything through if Jesus hadn't brought that up to them. And so for me, I could tell you I haven't done that enough. I haven't, especially with people where it's, it is, it's touchy because they really have no problem, just like family, they're just ripping into you because they're so comfortable being around you. Friends. And so, oh, this is great that we're going out and talking to these people that I've never met. But the fact is, I'm more comfortable talking to those people out there than I am to my own family and my own friends. Because of the importance I place on how my family and friends are, are going to respond to me. But the fact is, is if we love them, if we truly love them, then we, again, like I said, we wouldn't give them the most, the greatest thing we could ever give them. And that's the good news about who Jesus is. And so our concerns that we have from the, the, the discomfort that we could have from talking to him, is that, is that really as important? Is that, or is the gospel more important? Is God more important? Because this is what we've been called to do. Again, like I said, this is something I've been convicted by in, in preparing for this. And so for you that have never given your life to God, remember that this life on earth, as we said earlier, is, is temporary. When we die, that's, that is forever. Right now it's temporary on this earth, but when we die, it, it is going to be forever. And it's either going to be forever in heaven or in hell. So we need to stop focusing on the life, living our life to gather up all these things that we're not going to be able to take with us anyways, and that just being our priority, our focus. But please, just believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and rose again and ask God to forgive you of your sins and follow him. And for us that are Christians, we need to remember daily, daily, multiple times a day, what, what Jesus did for us. What he did for us on that cross. Remember why we're living this life that we're living, period. Like why, why, what is our purpose? Our priority is to serve our amazing God out of gratitude for the grace he showed, showed us in Jesus. And for his grace and how he continues to provide for us. Our lives are for him. And to sum up all of 
as we close here, to sum up the, looking at the priorities, why we live our life. And in and, and this passage, it's also, if you've ever struggled with questioning, well, you know, having, like, well, am I really saved? How do I know? Well, is, which, I mean, that's, it is a common thing because we are, we have, our hearts, these, these bodies of flesh are battling our spirit. Well, here in 1 John chapter 3, look at verses, uh, 1 John 3, 16 through 18, he explains where we, where we can get our confidence from. He also explains why we live, why we do these things, why we go out. Why do we go out to serve people we don't even know? Why do we love them? 1 John 3.16 says that we know love by this. So this is the only way we know. This is how we know how to love. This is how we understand love as Christians. We know love by this, that he laid his life down for us. That Jesus laid his life down for us. That's where we, that's, that we see love right there. That's the ultimate display of love. We know love by this, that he laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we need to, we need to do the same. We need to love, look at Jesus, and love like him. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, well, how does the love of God abide in him? He says, little children, let us not love the word, love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. So he's, he's saying, let's not just love by talking about it. Let's actually see your love in action. Do something. And not just do something for the sake of, because, I, I don't know, it's a good thing to do, but he says, in deed and truth. And that truth points to who Jesus is. We're doing this because we understand what love is because we saw that with what Jesus did for us. So let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. And he says, we will know, so we can be confident, we will know this, that we are of the truth and we will assure our heart before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, our God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, we only know how to love as Christians through the love that we saw in Christ when he laid his life down for us. So now we're called to lay our lives down for one another. And we need to not just talk about it, but we need to actually do it. If we understand what Christ did for us, then, and that's our motive for loving other people, then we know that we are of the truth. If we see that, if, that, if that's what we're doing, if we're doing it, or if we're doing it and we, see, and we know that we're doing it because of how much we love Jesus, or out of gratitude for what God did for us, then he says that then we know we are of the truth, that we are saved. Even when our heart tries to condemn us, even when we start, we start trying to question ourselves, he tells us that God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. Your new love for people and your willingness to serve is because of your understanding what Christ 
did for you. And this is your assurance that you are saved, even when your own heart is, is causing you to doubt it. It's giving you feelings about it. So with that, let's not put our confidence in ourselves. Let's not put our confidence in any other man. But let's put our confidence in God and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that good news, Lord. We thank you that there, in this world where there seems to be no hope, where we're all just walking aimlessly in, in darkness, that, Lord, you gave us hope. You had your Son come into the world and die for our sins. Lord, we deserve death. That's the penalty for our sins. We're constantly disobedient to you, and yet you showed us your grace through your Son. And that's, that's amazing love. And so, Lord, out of everything that we do to be able to serve you, it's only because you've, you've set that up for us beforehand so that we, that you, that we can walk in them, Lord. But we need, to, we need to do that, Lord. We need to actually walk in them. We have a responsibility. And Lord, we, it seems crazy to the world, but we take comfort in the fact that you're the one that makes, makes all that happen. And we are, everything who we are and everything that we can do and everything that we have is, is only because of you. We have nothing to boast in, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that as, as we go out, as we see the examples of Jesus setting his followers straight about the priorities of focusing on him, focusing on what can bring eternal life, what can, focusing on the Son, having an eternal mindset. Lord, I pray that, that we would allow that to sink into our hearts what Jesus taught to his followers there. That we would prioritize the gospel. And that that would be what is always on our mind, Lord. We can so easily forget. Give us just focus in this crazy world with so many distractions. Focus to be in your word. Discipline. Be talking to you day and night, throughout the day praying without ceasing and to have a love for your word so that when we talk to people it's just your word spilling out that you, we, we are trusting in you and you're speaking through us. This is what we, what we want, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us all grow and live our lives with our focus becoming more and more like Christ. We thank you for being able to have this in your word. We thank you for all the different scriptures you have to, to comfort us, to convict us, to change us, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for again for this day. And Lord, in everything that we see in your word, we see how much you are worthy of praise. And that's why we, we sing to you, Lord. And that's why we live our lives for you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, as we do sing now in these last few songs, 
that it would all be for you, that our, our, we would give our hearts completely to you with our, with our time here as, and our focus. Because you deserve all the praise. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.